This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Veterans Affairs Department will resume deployment of its massive electronic health record modernization project at a second site in March. New leadership will attempt to get a handle on this initiative. The project has been on hold for much of the last year, while the Biden administration learned about problems at the first go-live site, Spokane, Washington. Not everyone is thrilled that VA is moving on, though. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me now to explain what's happening next. Walk us through this new deployment schedule for the EHR, Nicole. VA anticipates trying to deploy this electronic health record to a second site, and that site is in Columbus, Ohio. And the date they picked is early March. And VA officials, when they brief the press about their plans, emphasize that these were tentative dates They'll likely change, especially the dates that are farther along in the timeline. And they say that the goal is for them to, you know, incorporate lessons that they learned from each go live. And and so that might push things back. The pandemic might push things back. But anyway, they're going to try again at a second site. And they have about 10 more deployments scheduled through the rest of 2022 and almost two dozen other employments scheduled for 2023. And these deployments will occur all across the country. So in 2022, there are several deployments scheduled in kind of the Midwest, Ohio and Michigan area. There will be more sites that will go live in the Pacific Northwest. One actually is scheduled to go live just a couple of weeks after the second go live in Columbus. And, you know, they'll they'll move on from there. Uh, they did provide a, a kind of rough timeline about where they see things going here in the future. And, you know, I think we should say, Tom, that the concern from Congress is that things still aren't going well in Spokane, Washington, which is the site of the first go live effort back in October 2020. And in fact, and I think we reported this on your show earlier this fall that, you know, some of the morale statistics coming out of Spokane were pretty low. Employees saying that they were considering leaving because of their experience with this EHR modernization. And so there's a lot, lot of factors going on. And at the same time, Nicole, there's new leadership structure for the program, which has had a lot of people come and go, frankly. Yeah. And I think what VA is trying to do here is respond to some of their own findings from their own strategic review that they launched back in in this March, but also some recommendations from its inspector general, the Government Accountability Office. What they're doing here is they've essentially kind of blown up the original Office of Electronic Health Record Modernization that was led by uh, someone named John Wyndham. He appears is no longer leading that office and works somewhere else in the department, VA officials told us. But instead, they are bringing on a program executive director. This person will come from the Defense Department. Her name is Terry Adderham. She does have experience with electronic health records. And so they believe that she will essentially oversee kind of the day-to-day operations with this project. They're also going to create a deputy CIO for electronic health record modernization. So just a CIO working on the EHR. And then they're trying to strengthen a role that existed previously, but kind of fell by the wayside in sort of the original go live. And that is a functional champion for the Veterans Health Administration. And the thought there is that Some of the concerns from doctors and nurses and other clinicians using this record weren't getting to the forefront. And so the goal there is to bring them to the forefront, essentially. And what has the reaction been around town on the Hill and so forth to this whole new structure and the whole new rollout plan? Kind of mixed. Just about a month or so ago, 
the House Veterans Affairs Committee had a hearing about how things were going in Spokane. And quite frankly, you know, many of the members were not happy at all about the things that they were hearing from that site and what they continued to hear from that site. I'm surprised that the topic only came up briefly at a Senate Veterans Affairs Committee hearing just the other day with the secretary. Senator Patty Murray, you know, she's from Washington and obviously has some interest in how things are going in Spokane. And she said she appreciates the senior leadership engagement on this project, but really wants to see corrective action on the problems that still do exist in Spokane. And Murray asked VA Secretary Dennis McDonough about his plans there, and and here's their exchange. We're pressing on Cerner to enhance the presence on the ground in Spokane so that people can get more timely reaction what do you concerns. mean pressing them saying you'd like them to or telling them they have to yeah we're, we're telling them that they have to and uh donald reported to me last night he was in touch with rob fisher who's the medical center director there in spokane and what rob said to him is that as of last night the kind of presence that cerner was uh manifesting was not what he had been anticipating and so uh donald was going to tell cerner today that's not good enough VA Secretary Dennis McDonough, who, you know, I have to say is probably has provided the most honest uh, assessments of how this project has been going so far. Uh, He references uh, Donald Remy, and that is VA's deputy secretary, who is really kind of the point person for this main project. Another reaction I would point to, Tom, pretty, pretty stark one, I think, from the top Republican on the House Veterans Affairs Committee saying that He's frustrated about how this project has been. It's been a series of broken promises. He is not thrilled to hear that VA is moving on to additional sites, especially the one in Columbus in just a couple of months. And he urges the secretary and deputy secretary to reconsider. So those are some pretty strong words there, I think, about how he sees the future of this program. And that's from Republican Mike Bost of Illinois. Yes. But meanwhile, the rollout is going to proceed at this point, correct? It is going to proceed and VA released uh, you know, a couple page progress report on things that they've done so far since their strategic review. They talk about training, they talk about the leadership reorganization and some other things. I think one message that we heard from VA officials was that they want to move to another site because they want to see how some of these problems that it seems like still exist in Spokane might be handled at a second site and how additional users might approach those problems and if maybe they can find solutions somewhere else. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out her story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? 
Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. <laughs> Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything, and it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Uh, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, 
and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.